rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2185. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in Boston, Massachusetts, with a very special guest by the name of Joe Freeman. Joe, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Oh, yeah, for sure. All right, good to have you here. Now, before I give you a proper introduction and we dive into your world, what's one little thing that people don't know about you, Joe? Well, I would say very few people know that I spent three years in the Peace Corps on an, an island about as big as a minute, a little atoll island out in the Pacific uh, in Micronesia, teaching uh, teaching grade school kids. No uh, kidding. Was a, a mile from anything automotive. <laughs> well, how old were you when you did that? Um, I was 26, 27. Okay, that. young guy. Well, yeah. when you think back to that experience and what a unique experience, what's one of the biggest takeaways from that experience? Oh, I think uh, the fact that people can live very successful and uh, and 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 uh, you know meaningful lives without uh, having to uh, say emotion, be emotional about it all the time, or to stressful about it all the time, um, and uh, you know can uh, can have a very uh, uh, positive impact on the people around them. It's just it's a it's it's a more relaxed society in a lot of ways than ours. Well, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> you think of all the things that distract us. Really drove nuts coming back to the United States. <laughs> I mean, from, from second into sixth. <laughs> right. You know, my children, as part of their schooling, they did some studies abroad and they were encouraged to do things abroad. And my son started a philanthropic group uh, that he got involved with a group here in Seattle called World Bicycle Relief. And he and six, seven other students raised enough money to bring some bicycles to South Africa to a rural village in Zambia. And he was there for about 10 days, I believe. And he came back profoundly changed from that because he said, Dad, these people don't even have floors in their houses, their huts, their dirt, but they were having fun. They were smiling. They were laughing. They, you know, at first I thought, well, you don't have all the stuff we have. And then I realized maybe you don't need all that stuff. And I just, you kind of go, wow, now that's why you went to do that, aside from helping other people, of course. Well, I think particularly in this hobby uh, that we have, automobile in all the antique automobiles and whatnot, um, stuff owns you. You don't own it. <laughs> you know, uh, my listeners know this. I've been going through a bit of a purging in the last five years since I lost my dad because when I lost him, he had so much stuff in his life. It was just, I'll say it was a bit of a burden to deal with all of it. And I came home and told my wife, and I tend to be the collector. She is not. She Grew up in a military family where they had to get rid of everything every three years. I'm going to get rid of some of my stuff because I don't think my kids are going to want any of this stuff, you know? I've been very bad about that. I've accumulated a whole lot. I mean, apart from anything else, uh, uh, you know, I have a massive library of uh, uh, of uh, photographs from competition photographs from the United States, uh, racing photographs. We're guessing between 750000 and a million. Oh, my gosh. Uh, wow. And uh, <laughs> just... Just looking to get that preserved, I mean, that's my real concern, is that it not go away or be destroyed. Um, looking around for an entity that can take it um, and will be actually interested in doing something with it 
that's 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 a big task. Yeah. Well, maybe call uh, our our mutual buddy Miles over there at the Revs Institute. They might be interested in all that. Um, yes and no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Well, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a task for another day. We don't have that much time today, but we'll get started. Let me give you a proper introduction. Uh, Joseph Freeman is the founder of the Racemaker Press, a company he started in 2006. He's been a freelance author and automotive historian since 1986. And Joe started racing in 1970, driving an SCCA in a Formula Ford and then a Brabham BT35 Formula B. Oh my, that must have been fun. He started racing vintage cars in a 1931 American. Am I saying that right? American dirt track racer? Uh, American, yes. There was, you know, in other words, in that day and age, uh, most of the race cars were, most of the racing was done on dirt ovals and uh, people made their own cars um, and uh, hopped up uh, primarily Ford, but other engines. And uh, we're, you know, we're out there in the dirt and the dust, uh, <laughs> you know, banging wheels. Having fun. A dirt, rack sprinter, a dirt track sprinter and has raced all over the country in vintage racers, including Andy cars. Now, that's cool. His current collection includes cars from 1938 to 1960. Joe's a longtime member of the board of the Lars Anderson Automotive Museum in Brookline, including six years as the museum's president. He's been a judge in the racing car classes at the annual Pebble Beach Day Concord Elegance. Way back in 1997, he started doing that. And today we'll be sharing his newest book titled Boost, Roger Bailey's Extraordinary Motor Racing Career. It's a book authored by Gordon Kirby, but of course, published by the Racemaker Press. We'll be back in just a moment. But first, a word from our sponsor. So give them a little listen and we'll be right back. I've enjoyed the quality and variety of Lloyd's floor mats for decades, and now I'm excited to report that Lloyd's Mat Store is part of the Covercraft family of products that protect the things that move you. Lloyd's floor mats are the ultimate in quality and fit with carpet mats, all-weather mats, Velortex, Berber, classic loop carpet, and they are proudly made in the United States. They are designed and sewn with the highest of quality and offer custom fitment for almost any vehicle you may own. There is a wide variety of styles, fabrics, and colors to choose from, and hundreds of licensed logos as well to customize your floor mats. Protect your vehicle factory carpet from moisture, dirt, mud, snow, and slush. All of your options are quality made, easy to clean, secure to the floor, and look oh so good. Check out lloydsmatstore.com for a variety of styles, colors, and options for a custom fit. And I've got a special deal for you. If you use the code cars yeah at lloydsmatstore.com you'll get ten dollars off your floor mat order that's right ten dollars off simply use the code c-a-r-s-y-e-a-h at checkout that's lloydsmatstore.com l-l-o-y-d-e-s matsstore.com covercraft and lloyd's mats protecting the things that move you Fall is here, and you know what that means. Time to put a good coat of protection on your vehicle. I'm teamed up with AutoGeek, and they've been the leading source of auto detailing products, accessories, and expert knowledge for more than 20 years. What started back in 1997 as a small mail-order catalog company grew into a multi-website-based e-commerce store, and that's what they are today. With a large online presence on its own website featuring close to 100 different brands, AutoGeek has grown to be the largest car care retailer in the country. AutoGeek's wholesale program serves accounts in over 30 countries, and its retail sector ships worldwide. If you want to protect your vehicle this fall, and you should, go to AutoGeek.net for the best product selection on the internet today 
and technical support. AutoGeek.net. It's where I go for my detailing needs. That's AutoGeek.net. I was talking with a buddy of mine the other day, and he asked me about American Collectors Insurance. He said, while I listen to you on Cars Yeah, you're always talking about agreed value collector car insurance. Well, I insure all my cars on my regular auto insurance policy, and I've done it for years. Why use a different company for my collector cars? I get a multi-car discount. Isn't that good enough? I suggested he call his carrier and ask how much he would get if his collector car was totaled or stolen. He called back and said, boy, that was a scary conversation. Their value of my car wasn't even close to what it's really worth. Thank you for the education, Mark. So don't just hope for a fair claim settlement. Be certain and know exactly what you receive with an agreed value policy. American Collectors Insurance has been protecting enthusiasts since 1976. Give them a call today for your personal agreed value quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of Mark Green's at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance, classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors, automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. All right, we are back. So I want to go a little bit through your history before we dive into what you're doing today. And we're going to talk specifically about this new book because I want to learn more about Roger Bailey. But let's go back to your racing because that seems to be a big passion in your life. And you did that for a a long time. uh, And then you decided I'm going to be a book publisher. So kind of walk us through a little history here. Well, I think uh, I got seriously into racing in 1970 after I came back from the Peace Corps um, and uh, bought my Formula Ford um, and then onto the BT35. I had a really major accident on a practice day at Lime Rock uh, Park uh, coming up the uphill. Somebody uh, spun a car and was stationary and uh, I clouded him good. And uh, yeah. and my wife was not happy with that. So I had to quit for some years. But then, um, and I worked at that time, I was working for nonprofit organizations, particularly other uh, the uh, this well also the state department of public health here in massachusetts in another interesting little fact i was the associate director of the division of alcoholism and alcohol abuse so kind of an interesting set but um I went to the Kennedy School of Government, and um, when I came out, um, jobs were really not for the asking here in Massachusetts, and I didn't want to leave. I was relatively close to my parents, and uh, my wife was from this area, and we had a nice house, and I just didn't want to throw all that all over. So I started looking around, and uh, I ended up looking at that book that maybe a lot of people have called What Color Is Your Parachute? Oh, gosh, that's been around forever, hasn't it? Uh, it's a simple little book, but it's, it's, it's a great one. And one of the questions was, you know, what what do you feel proudest about in terms of what you've done? And at my work, I did a lot of writing. And I realized that that was really what I love to do. And so I started writing. Uh, my first article was for uh, for uh, um uh, and a magazine uh, called Oval Track, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and it was uh, about the Rockingham Board Track Speedway in uh, in Salem, New Hampshire. And then I I contacted uh, uh, Automobile Quarterly. I knew I knew. Uh, uh, several people there. And um, as a result, uh, I ended up writing my first major article for them on Stutz called the In the Wake of the White Squadron. It was about the Stutz racing team uh, in 1915. And um, it just went on from there. So it and I and I enjoyed it and kind of declared myself as well. Why not be a freelance author? I did have a little extra money to be able to keep me alive. Uh, I was renovating a house in Boston at the same time too, so I was busy. But it that's what 
when I once I began to write, I realized how many of the people that I knew that really cared about a lot, they were into cars and, and writing about that. So mm-hmm. there we were, Bev Kimes uh, and uh, others. Uh, she was quite famous, uh, uh, but uh, and uh, Fred Rowe and, and a bunch of other guys. So so that's how I got involved. Deeper I got in, the more the f- more fascinated I got with how how many interesting things went on in, in the history of the uh, the development of the automotive industry. So I'm I'm a real buff in that sense. Well, yeah, I would think so. And Automobile Quarterly, what a wonderful series that was. I think I have almost all of them. Maybe some of the early ones I don't, but it was so sad to see them go away and nobody be able to pick that up and carry that forward. But I want to talk about one of the newest books you've published because you've produced some wonderful books about racing. And the great thing about this book, which is titled Boost, it's about Roger Bailey's extraordinary motor racing career. And I'd love for you to talk about who he was, why he was important, what made his life extraordinary, and why this is a book that all of us automotive enthusiasts need to have in our library. Well, he's an amazing man. He literally didn't start life planning to be, you know, motor racing, but uh, he was. He was in, in England. He was born and brought up in England. For his first job, he'd been poking around. He was hired by Jim Russell for their Formula 3, uh, their little motorcycle class, uh, and he mechaniced for them. And then shortly thereafter, he got involved with Ken Tyrrell and began uh, being the mechanic for J- a, a certain guy by the name of Jackie Stewart, who was just starting out in Formula 3. And, and, I think I've heard of him. And Yeah, right. And so he uh, went with Jackie for uh, you know that year. As racing mechanics get, get around a lot, or at least in those days they did, um, you know, back to Australia, New Zealand, and whatnot. He met a driver by the name of Chris Amon, superb driver, sadly gone now. But And in addition to doing work for him, why Chris got a contract with Ferrari. And amazingly enough, uh, uh, Roger became the first mechanic to be hired by Ferrari, a non-Italian mechanic to be hired by Ferrari. Wow. So, that was a pretty amazing thing. And he raced with uh, with Chris Amon for quite some time. Then he, again, all of this is happening over a spread of time, but he, once he, he got kind of tired of doing that, or and he, he and Chris, I think, split up, um, why well, he came to the United States and uh, started poking around for people like Roger Penske and also even into NASCAR, eventually ended up being involved in IndyCar racing and he himself saw the need for a development series for so-called a ladder series. And so he started and maintained uh, for any number of years uh, the Indy Lights uh, program and, and, you know, managed to get sponsorship for it and, and do all the work associated with it. His life is, is one of the most interesting in the sense of how many different functions and things he did when with starting out just being a regular old mechanic and, and going on through and eventually developing a whole series and getting it funded along. And at, at the same time, being a, a really nice man, I'm a really good person. When we debuted the book in Indianapolis this year, um, we had it in a table in the internet. There's a, a memorabilia show I recommend to folks who like that. Uh, in uh, it, It's not at the Speedway anymore. It's, a, it's, a, it's very close to the Speedway. And um, we... Uh, we had a table there, and we were selling. And 
Roger was there, and I can't tell you the number of people who came up and you know bought book bought the book. He he was just nuts about that, and I mean, and he um, including by the way, a Hall of Fame NHL hockey player came up with it. Was, oh, really? It wow. was pretty amazing. So so Roger's gotten himself around, and it, it's it's a really fun book. It's a it's a fun book to read too, just because of, of all the various stories he tells about various experiences he had with Ferrari, for example. Nobody ever worked for Ferrari without having a few stories. <laughs> And, and the same thing for in the United States for his adjustment to coming from uh, Europe and, and Australia and whatnot uh, into coming to the United States. Very, very, we're very different in the way we we handle our racing affairs. I think so. I recommend the book highly for anybody who's who really wants to get a sense of of uh, you know all of these different categories and how someone moved up and through them uh, to become you know uh, a uh, a really important person uh, so uh, it's it's it was a it's a great project we really enjoyed doing it and um, Roger himself has helped us out enormously with it so i i recommend the book highly you know, it sounds a little bit like I just recently had Ray Everham on my show, and you look at his career path, very similar in many ways of starting as a mechanic and then working through and, and responsible for bringing kind of IROC back into the deal, and it sounds some, uh, kind of like some similarities there. There is a, another little fact. So it's interesting you mentioned that name. Ray Everham and I had the privilege of meeting in a sauna. <laughs> what? In, in the Ritz-Carlton at Amelia Island about five or six years ago. Oh, my gosh. Wow. It was, it was really funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there we are, uh, you know, basically in, in the buff <laughs> talking to, about, you know, race cars. About and, race cars. Uh, well, you know, this is the great thing about race cars is it brings everybody together. So uh, extraordinary book. So obviously people can get their hands on this book on your website. Is that right? Racemaker That's Press? correct. Yes. Uh, it's www.racemaker.com. Uh, we also, if you if you write us or you know ask for by an email, we'll send you a, a brochure. We've we've now published uh, I think close to twenty five books, but our brochure includes books by other people, uh, independent authors who, for one reason or another, don't didn't want to bother with the fulfillment, which means you know putting the thing into a box and mailing, taking the orders, check charging, yeah. and putting in. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Oh yeah. So we we have uh, Gary Doyle's um, production and uh, Joel Finn's uh, production. So uh, and uh, Dick Wallen has given us some of his books. So we we, we cover the waterfront in racing. We try to be as, as much involved. We've also done uh, some very interesting work. We have two books done by uh, a man by the Henry name of Henry Dominguez. Henry uh, has written a, a lot about Ford, and uh, we've done two books on him: The Last Days of Henry Ford, which reads like a novel. I would, it took me by storm. I, I wasn't expecting to, you know, to to publish it. But after I finished it, reading it in a day and a half, I said, "This is we got to publish this." And now we've done another one. Uh, you know, the Cellini of Chrome about the uh, the guy George Walker, who was the uh, became uh, through various machinations and whatnot the first vice president of styling in, in uh, for the Ford Motor Company. So so it's. It, the, the publishing has been really good in this sense. It's led me in all sorts of different directions I wouldn't have expected. Oh, it's fantastic. I always remind listeners, you know, if you're looking with the holidays coming up here or birthdays of friends, if you're looking for something to buy that very hard to buy for car guy or gal, which uh, we all 
are very hard to buy for because when somebody asks me what I want, well, how about a new Porsche? Uh, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> but you can certainly give somebody a book about Porsche or Ford or anything else. So books are a great gift. And if somebody doesn't collect books, once they've read it, they can hand it on to the next friend and they can yeah. enjoy it as well. I like to ask about what I call our driving inspirations in people's lives, mentors, influencers, people who really helped you along the way or advised you or influenced you in some positive ways. Is there somebody like that in your life? Oh, I think several. Uh, I, I had a prep school teacher who had a Porsche, 1956 Porsche, um, and who was kind enough to take me out with runs with that car. And he, but he was a very strong influence on me in for a variety of different ways. I think also uh, there are guys who influenced me. I mean, Roger Barr, who who actually, you know, was my racing mechanic, or, or you know, worked on the on the race cars, was very good. He he was a superb driver, and uh, he taught me a lot about uh, uh, driving. One of my second my second drivers school that was a, it was not an SCCA but an independent driving school uh, the Jim Russell school why uh, Jacques Couture who was the chief instructor there was just really helpful in terms of taught me how to learn a course very quickly to to be out and, and after four or five laps to have a good sense of what to do and where and how and how to take time off so those guys were, were really important and um in the old car field right the vintage racing i'd have to say peter giddings um oh, wow. i'm sure if you know that name yeah, but I do. Uh, yeah peter what peter didn't own is the serious major racing car i'm not sure i mean alfa romeo's going pre-cars uh, extremely rare delage uh, you know, just one thing after another he owned and drove beautifully i was competing with him in any number of different times uh, in uh, one of my one of my cars uh, at uh, Monterey and the Historics and, and other places, he came to Lime Rock uh, here in Connecticut, and uh, so we we knew each other very well. I, I miss him terribly. Uh, he he died a few years ago, and uh, it was really a, uh, an inspiration to a lot of us. We're going to take a short break. We come back. I've got the challenge question for you, so keep the seatbelt cinched tight. We'll pull in for a pit stop, and we'll be right back. You've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine here on Cars, yeah, for a couple of years now. Well, they're growing. And in 2023, they're going to grow from four issues a year to six. And there's an opportunity here for you to take advantage of this growth. If you go to LinkageMag.com and click on the Renew button, if you already subscribe, you can get a great deal. Use the code RENEW6 for one year and you'll get six issues for the price of four or Type in Renew 12 for two years where you also have a great savings. Plus, they'll even throw in a free Linkage hat. How cool is that? The publisher of Linkage is Donald Osborne. He's been a guest multiple times here on Cars, yeah? He's become a good friend of mine. And I'll tell you, Linkage Magazine is one of those newer magazines that you're going to want to get. It's all about experiences, opinions, and values. It's a wonderful publication, something I look forward to getting. And now that I'm going to be getting six a year, even more special. So go to LinkageMag.com. Again, use the code RENEW6 or RENEW12 to get that special deal. Do it before December 31st, 2022, so that in 2023, you'll get six issues of Linkage Magazine instead of four. 20, 50, or 100 years from now, Will there be a workforce to care for the collector vehicles we love? With auto shop programs disappearing across the country, it's a question we enthusiasts have to ask. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these vehicles aren't lost to time. One of the many ways RPM, which is short for Restoration 
preservation, and mentorship is accomplishing this goal is through workforce development initiatives. The RPM Apprenticeship Program enables the next generation of artisans to earn a living while they learn the craft of restoring and preserving these vehicles directly from industry professionals. The Endangered Skills Program documents the process of masters training future craftspeople on a variety of critical skills in danger of being lost forever. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of the collector vehicle skills trade, visit RPM Foundation today. They're one of the charities of choice here on Cars Yeah. So, Joe, the challenge question, I like to ask my guests about a big challenge in their life, a failure, maybe even some kind of big obstacle that set you back. But more importantly, what was that valuable lesson learned that you could look back and say, wow, I guess in a way I was glad I went through that. Well, for me, I, I think the, the the primary one is but it hasn't sort of been one particular instance, but rather more just getting to know. I mean, when I got into publishing, I, I had I, I didn't have any background in it at all. I did go to a summer school at Yale University they had, but I mean, I was so wet behind the ears, I really hardly even knew what was going on. And it's in, been in the process of learning this, this game, learning this business to the point where I can speak openly now about it and feel they have some background in it and uh, feel proud of what I've accomplished. But it hasn't been easy. It's been it's been a long walk uphill. So, um, and it's taught me patience. Things like, for example, we joke uh, as publishers about in automotive books that, you know, we'll spend years of, you know, blood, sweat and tears getting out a book uh, or a, at least a year and whatnot, um, you know, then to to print 1,500 and have a thousand, sell 1,000 and still have 500 left over. But that's... <laughs> That's kind of a that's a tough go. Um, yeah. So that experience has taught me uh, to be, uh, I guess I'd say, a, a, you know, <laughs> smarter and wiser. You know, maybe poorer. <laughs> well, you know, it's a it's a noble career, and I've had so many publishers on this show, and I'm one that loves books, and that's why I promote books. And that's one of the questions I ask all my guests: Is there a book they could recommend? Because we see books in some cases, kind of going away, the way people consume material these days. Uh, and my wife has been a prolific reader her entire life. She trickled down to my children, which is wonderful. I was not much of a reader growing up. I've become more of a reader as my quest for knowledge and thirst and as I've met more people. But the publishing world has certainly changed a lot. And one of the things I, I always suggest uh, to listeners, if you call yourself not much of a reader, but you love the idea of learning, there's these things these days which you and I could only dream of maybe in the past, audible type books, audio books. And I keep saying this and I surprise people over and over. Your public libraries provide free audio books if that's the way you want to consume. Now, I know the word free to a publisher is like, ah, don't say that word. It's no good to me. However, that could probably get somebody into reading and get them excited about reading. Would you agree? Oh, very much. I mean, you know, I've getting kids into reading right now is, is pretty hard. So we've tried to do books that have interest to kids. Well, for myself, people have asked me, would you do an ebook um, or something like that? And quite frankly, I, I, I'm not, I, I have decided not to go that route mm -hmm. first because it's still a lot of work and uh, the reimbursement for it is, is not great. But secondarily, I, I love books themselves, not just as the reading, but as objects that are, you know, beautiful, beautiful objects. I mean, I'll show you here. This is a book that we did several years ago. It's um, 
second uh, to nine. Yeah, so second, second to one. Uh, all but for Indy. And uh, it's a book about all the drivers that finished second in Indianapolis, but never won. Great drivers, uh, really. Some, some amazing people there. It's a solid book. It's, it's, as you can see, it's not. It's huge. You know, it weighs about as much as a discus. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. it's, on the other hand, it um, it has good quality paper, good quality pictures. It's something that you can take off the shelf and go and use almost any time you want. Then the, the subjects on, on the drivers aren't terribly long. We loads of chapters in there. So, but, so there's something about a book itself that's tactically uh, really nice. Now, I, I got to say, I mean, I have a library of motoring books. Uh, and I would say something in the nature of, uh, uh, well, certainly uh, around 1,000 in my workplace here that we use not only for research, but also for just uh, for seeing how things were done. And uh, so I'm a book guy, but I certainly don't uh, disparage anybody who wants to listen to a car, listen to a car going to work, back and forth to work, or for that matter, gets an ebook and looks at it in their iPad, or uh, for that matter, uh, you know, as you say, you know, it can go to the library and and listen to them free. So, uh, you can get ebooks uh, from the library as well if uh, if your budget doesn't allow for lots of books. But I'm with you. I, I have lots of books. I've just started categorizing all my books, and I believe I'm I've got a little over 600. Which I had no idea. My wife looks at me and she goes, "Yeah, all those books back there. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of them." But I'm I'm trying to categorize them so I know what I have and and, and so forth. But uh, books are so special, and automotive books, of course, for people like you and me. Now you're a car guy. You've raced cars. You've had a lot of cool cars. I want you. To share one special vehicle story with us today. This could be one of your race cars or a street car, but uh, which one would it be if you had to pick just one today? Well, I would say very little question about that. It's the Sparks Thorn uh, Little Six, so-called. It's, uh, it was an Indianapolis car that this brilliant engineer, Art Sparks, uh, built in 1937-38 to race in Indianapolis and uh, raced it uh, there successfully. In the case of my car, it broke the first year that it was raced in 38. In 39, it, it sat on the pole and was second in the Indianapolis 500. And then it missed a year, and then in 41, it, it finished third. And uh, then after, subsequent to the war, uh, it raced uh, and had several really important drivers. What makes that car important to me was that it had been literally holed up in a, in a garage in the Los Angeles area and Corona. And uh, it um, came out and no one had touched it uh, for literally, uh, I'd say, what, 40 years. It was an absolute original condition. Even the gauges were with it, which is the one of the first things that go out of a car. And it went through a couple of hands until it got in the hands of Bob Sutherland, who was a big collector and a guy who loved uh, you know, old automobile racing automobiles. And uh, I managed to, uh, he, um, he, he wanted to sell me another car. And I said, well, no, you know, I, what I really like is the little six because I'd seen it uh, in his collection in, in Colorado. Well, he said, oh, you would pick that one. Well, <laughs> so, you know, he said, well, you can't argue about the price, but he sold it to me. And just the entire process of bringing that car back to life, to full life and to a full racing life was fascinating. It's, it's an amazing car anyway. And uh, wow, did it ever pay off? The first time we took it out uh, was at the... Uh, uh, is that the Monterey Historics? It's actually the prehistorics 19, in 2001, and then the Historics in 2001. And it was an amazing experience for me. Maybe one of the, one of the best days of my life. Not only did we win the uh, 
the Holman Award at um, at, at Pebble Beach, uh, and I, I I didn't judge for that. It wasn't that. Yeah, <laughs> It was that was given by the by the Speedway, uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I also won all three awards at the uh, at the Historics Phil Hill Trophy, the, the the Monterey Cup, and the Rolex Watch, which. Uh, I was just gobsmacked. I could, I, I couldn't believe that this everyone had appreciated the car as much. And I love the car. It's wonderful to drive. It, it's it's like it's like an old friend. And uh, sadly, uh, I think uh, after having two major back surgeries last fall, um, I'm probably going to have to hang up my helmet. But I'm certainly going to have one one or two more times to drive the little six. I love that car. Uh, it's it's great. The, by the way, there were only two built. Uh, and the other one is in the Speedway Museum, so uh, which actually won the race in 1946. Mine, mine took second and third, and and uh, the people who drove it, by the way, were no, no slouch. I mean, uh, Sam Hanks, Tony Bettenhausen, any number of different other, yeah. uh, Harry McQuinn. I'm just blocking on the uh, on one that I'm trying to think of, Rex Mays. Anyway, so they <laughs> they were they were good cars. No kidding. I I was very lucky to see you uh, drive that car that year, uh, Laguna Seca. So uh, bravo. To, uh, oh, yeah. Well. So uh, I've been going to those events for 33 years now, something like that. <laughs> a crazy number of times. So very, very cool and nice of you to share that car. So I'm going to be your car psychologist today. I'm going to crawl into your skull a little bit here. Uh, if you were manifest, reincarnated, pun intended, as a vehicle, this isn't what you want to be, though, Joe. This is how you perceive the man in the mirror. you got to dig deep into your soul for me. What would you be, but more importantly, why? Gosh, that's a question I'm not sure I prepared myself very well for. <laughs> I, well, I think I'd probably be a, a dirt track, American dirt track racer. Uh, okay. Around the, the 60s or, you know, the, 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 the mid to late, well, 50s, 60s, early 70s, because of a variety of number of things. I mean... They're fast for one thing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, for another, they they require a a great deal of control, uh, amazing ability to drive, and uh, they have character. Every every race car I've driven, it has its own character, and the character of those dirt racing cars is spectacular. It's really wonderful. Uh, and you ask the guys who've driven them, you know, Mario Andretti and AJ Foyt and uh, a bunch of other great drivers, and. Uh, they really le- love those cars, and uh, the, the, as they and they used to give names, you know, to the cars. You know, of course, uh, old Calhoun is the best name, you know, for the roadsters. But uh, there were other other names too, uh, like Little Six. But so I think I think I'd kind of come out as a you know as a uh, two fifty five uh, uh, Offenhauser uh, engine uh, dirt car, uh, but playing in the dirt. By the way, that's yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, scrappy. Well, I can kind of see that about you, Joe, scrappy and in the dirt. And, you know, in talking with as many race car drivers I've had, especially guys that have been around, I'll say more mature guys like you and me. The most recent one I was talking to who started racing in the dirt was Bruce Canepa. And he talks about people that raced in the dirt and how they really learned how to be great drivers because of the dirt and the way the dirt reacts with the cars and so forth. So uh, nice answer to that. I think that was very well thought well, through. In speaking to Mario Andretti about it, uh, I've had the chance to talk to him uh, a lot on occasion. And he explained, I, I said, Jesus, you driving that car at Langhorn was just something. I mean, it was amazing to me what they were able to do, uh, particularly when they installed those huge big V4, you know, V8 Fords in them. He said, well, he said, you know, you, you got to learn to do it. And, and you know, it was, 
it, it became he it became you, you knew it was a skill that you had. He said, but he said it really helped me out when I moved to Grand Prix racing because he said then I didn't need to worry about driving in the rain because I'd already <laughs> driven something that was sliding sideways all the yeah. time. Yeah, there which you I go. It was a very interesting commentary because I sadly myself never drove on the dirt, but uh, always wondered how it was. What you it know, was like. in a dirt midget or a dirt, dirt sprint car. Dangerous as hell, of course. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Scary stuff to watch. Well, I always ask about a book. And of course, we're promoting today this book, Boost, Roger Bailey's Extraordinary Motor Racing Career. But is there one other book that you've published that you'd like to throw in the pot to recommend to our listeners? Well, again, uh, I guess, uh, you know, wow, it's, it's hard to say. Uh, uh, I, well, I, I will say that uh, just for general for a general reader, Someone who's not necessarily involved in racing or, you know, the automotive field. I really would recommend Henry Dominguez's uh, the the um, the last years of Henry Ford. It covers it covers just a, really an entire section of Ford's life of Henry Ford's life, but in, indeed most of it, and uh, at the same time uh, doesn't uh, pull any punches about Henry Ford's flaws um, as a uh, uh, as a manager, um, and in his later years, uh, the difficulty with which he created for people. But it's it's a fascinating story. It read like the novel. I, I really, when I picked the book up, when I got it, he, uh, Henry sent it to me. I thought, well, okay, I'll start it and we'll see how it goes. I got it on Friday afternoon and uh, at about uh, 2.30, and, and I started it, and I didn't literally stop reading it until, you know, the next day. Wow. And, and, There's and an endorsement. Us, yeah, we're have, where are we going to get the pictures for this? Because it's fabulous. So yes. that's a book I'm very proud of. One other thing, I, one other book I'd like to mention is one of the very first ones we published, and they're kind of rare now because we ran out of them, and we're not. And I'm sure they're out there, but um, is "Damn Shoe Died in Bed." It was a. It's Tom Saul was an automobile historian himself. Is an automobile historian himself interviewed Andy Dunlop, who was a chief mechanic for a Chicago a guy by the name of Pete Salemi, who called the the Central Excavating Team, and. The stories that he uh, he tells in, in that book, that is uh, Andy Dunlop, are just uh, amazing. And that is actually a quote from him that, uh, you know, he said, well, you know, the guys, that go, they come up from midgets and they go into a, a you know, they, they win a bunch of races and they really think they were great. Uh, but, you know, uh, uh, then they come to the bigger cars and they get in real trouble. And all in all, da- a damn few died, died in bed. You know, I mean, it was. <laughs> but uh, that's another one. If you can get your hands on a copy, I don't think they're super rare. But if you can get a hands on a copy, it's well worth. I'm, and it was again one of the first serious books we published. I'm really proud of that one. I wish I could publish it over because we we found a lot more pictures now. But do that as it may. That's, yeah. uh, that's a good book. So very cool. So I'm going to enable you to go on what I call the ultimate drive. I'm going to park anything in your garage. You can take it anywhere, and you can go with anybody, even somebody who's from the past that isn't with us anymore, which opens up a wonderful world of opportunities for this ultimate drive. So, what does the ultimate drive look like for you? Let's start with the car. Well, there's no question. I, I own a Type 30 Bugatti, uh, mm-hmm. built in 1925. It's a little different than the, the normal Bugatti because it has English bodywork as opposed to French. But um, the, the Type 30s were the first straight eight-cylinder cars that Bugatti built and, and sold. 
and it does have a three main bearing age <laughs> crankshaft, so you got to be careful of it. But I love that car. I've done many tours with it, and and I when I, if, I would definitely choose that car as the car to tour in. Where would I like to go? Gosh. Um, I would have to say that uh, I've never taken the car to Europe, and I really would love to do that. To maybe do the Mille Miglia recreation or something of that sort would be would be really great. And uh, wow, who to go along with me? Um, <laughs> my wife came on a number, but she she, she didn't really care all that much for it. Yeah. I, I would say. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to share it with somebody who was passionate about uh, about Bugattis and uh, and you know and, and appreciated also the sunshine and the right. you know scenery. So uh, can't name anybody right off the bat. My wife wasn't she she wasn't able to accompany me to uh, a tour, the second tour that I'd done in Australia. And um, a woman by the name of Sarah Rowe came along with me as a riding person and we had more fun together and she was a really good navigator as well as just a, a nice companion to have so i yeah. I'd, I'd be out on the road with her again okay maybe. sounds like this is this program <laughs> <laughs> there you go awesome i appreciate it thank you sarah well you've taken us on a wonderful journey here joe and i want you to leave us with a success quote or mantra or some kind of words of inspiration for our listeners today well i think uh, i guess i'd have to say uh, that uh, you know uh, really persistence uh, in your goal I mean is is crucial but patience and persistence um, in addition to building this business I've also been involved in the building of a racetrack uh, in Tamworth New Hampshire uh, called uh, it's it's called club motorsports beautiful in a beautiful location wonderfully laid out track um, but it took us uh, a group of us who just started out with very little, um, well, I would say maybe 15 years to get it built. Wow. Um, jumping through all the hurdles that we had. So we had a, a lot of persistence and, and patience, uh, but uh, we stuck with it. And now we have a really gorgeous race car. We, we had our fifth anniversary the, just a couple of weekends ago. And we have you know, about 380 members and are growing like Topsy, which is great. Wow. Um, and I, I, I recommend it highly. But that's what carried us through was, uh, yes, took a lot of money, but the real issue is just keep keep at it. Keep not giving it up. Keep yeah. at it. Tenacity. Yeah. Tenacity. Uh, bulldog tenacity, as they say. <laughs> yeah. So the best way for people to learn more about you and your business is how? Well, to go on our website, for sure. And uh, that's, uh, again, www.racemaker.com. But also... Um, I'm, I'm located in Brookline, in Boston, in Brook, sorry, in, in Boston, Massachusetts, and 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 I, and I have a you know, in a building that's in sort of a little tucked away place. But um, you know, if any people want to come visit, I'm I'm more than happy to have them visit. We we have a lot of not only a lot of books here, but a lot of things here too that relate to to the automotive uh, industry. But I, I would also I show the cars, uh, my cars regularly. Um, I showed cars. Uh, twice or three times this year. Um, and so uh, look me up at the Amelia Island, for example, uh, if I'm there. Or, uh, well, we did the Eyes on Design in Detroit um, earlier this year. Um, and uh, we have, I, I have shown, I have a 1914 Mercer race about that was Peter Helk, uh, the artist's uh, Mercer race about. We, we, sh we, we showed that at uh, uh, out at Pebble Beach. So 
we get around. Um, yeah, sounds like it. People know who, me, who I am because, uh, you know, they, although yeah, there's the fat guy with the Mercer. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one of the guys that introduced me to you, I want to do a shout out. Thank you to our mutual friend, Harry Hurst. He's the one that helped me get Joe on the show today. So, Harry, thank you very much. He was a recent guest here on the show. Harry seems to know a lot of people just like you do. Joe, thanks for being so uh, generous with your time today and sharing your life with us. This has been fantastic. I'm so happy I finally got you on the show until you and i talk again my friend i'll see you down the road thank you very much i appreciate uh, being on your show this has been a lot of fun thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at cars yeah drive on over to cars to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun download your free copy of filler up a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!